You're listening to Advancing Our Church. Welcome to Advancing Our Church, a Changing Our World podcast about Catholic stewardship, leadership, and advancement. I'm Jim Friend. Welcome back, and thanks for downloading our podcast today. And so here we are already in the third week of the Advent season. And the gospel this past Sunday was interesting to me. We hear John the Baptist again, and he asks his disciples to go to Jesus and ask him, are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? You know, if you're like me, at first glance, that kind of surprised me when I hear that question come from someone like John the Baptist. Because it was just the last week that we heard that he was a voice crying out in the wilderness, right? He was this lone voice preparing the way for the Lord. Now, in my spare time, I've been watching the replay of the Bishop's Conference last month because I'm curious, like you, to know how our bishops see our church and what topics they're addressing as a group. And to no surprise to many of you, they see the same challenges that we all see. One statistic actually mentioned that for every one person that is brought into the Catholic Church, there are six people who leave and denounce our faith. Now, that statistic is jaw-dropping to me. And the one question that was brought up is, who's going after them? How do we bring these people back? Now, in the gospel this past week, Jesus says something else that stuck with me. In response to John's question, he says, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind regain their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. What Jesus is saying is, look at what is happening right now. And I think as a people who are called to be storytellers in the church, it begs the question, how well are we telling that story? How well are we communicating the incredible things that are already happening in our church today? Are we just going through the motions or are we looking at the signs and symbols that are all around us? If we are truly called to advance our church, then we need to be able to tell that story and bring the gospel to life for the people who are in our orbit. So think about that. And the next time you lose your faith, remember that even John the Baptist had a momentary doubt in his darkest hours. I hope you're having an amazing Advent and that you're finding some personal time to reflect on the reason for this season. Now, let's get back to work. So last week, we had a terrific webinar. I just want to thank everybody who was able to join us. If you missed the webinar, just visit our homepage at advancingourchurch.com, and we'll leave a link for you to click over to the Change in Our World site and watch the full video. And so I thought as a follow-up to that webinar, today I'd like to share with you a success story of a parish capital campaign. Today, we visit St. Anne Parish in Garden City, New York, and we visit with our pastor, Monsignor Thomas Harold, and he's going to tell us about his very successful campaign. And so, without further ado, here is St. Anne Parish in Garden City, New York. Well, we're here at St. Anne Parish in Garden City, New York, and I'm joined here by the pastor, Monsignor Thomas Harold. Monsignor, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jim. And we're also here with Mary Lou Ingracia. And Mary Lou, you are the Director of Operations here at the parish. Yes, I am. Wonderful. Welcome. And our very own Yasmeen Hicks. Yasmeen, the Director with Changing Our World. Thanks for joining us today, Yasmeen. My pleasure, Jim. Yasmeen's going to join us here as my co-host and uh, kind of facilitate our conversation today. But why don't we just kind of go around the table, everyone, maybe just kind of introduce yourselves a little bit about um, maybe what, what is it that you love most about St. Anne Parish? Uh, Monsignor, you go first. How long have you been here at the parish? Been here eight and a half years. Uh, love it. Wanted to come here even before I came here. So um, I very much enjoy the people, the sense of community. And it's a great place to minister as a priest. Wonderful. Mary Lou? I have been here over 19 years after 
career in retailing and yeah. um, seen a lot of changes and growth in the parish and just feel very blessed to work here. Fantastic. And Yasmin, uh, it's been a little while since you were on our podcast. Tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah. So um, my name is Yasmin Hicks, and I have been with Changing Our World for the last three years, most recently as a director. Um, I help primarily with our faith-based clients and a lot of their fundraising initiatives. And I have the great pleasure of helping St. Anne's with their campaign. So I'm excited to dive more into that today. Yeah. Well, Yasmin, why don't I turn it over to you? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, and so, in speaking about the St. Anne's campaign, you know, being Catholic at St. Anne's, our families, our mission, our future, can you tell us more about how that campaign came to be, beginning with the study and, you know, all the way through the campaign? What was that process like for you guys? It, it was actually a very friendly process, um, even perhaps um, not as difficult as I would have anticipated. Uh was asking for funds for everyone is difficult, but um, we we started with a lot of uh, contact with people informally. Um, we were guided by yourself, who uh, was experienced, and Mary Lou, uh, the operations director, certainly um, mediated so well all the different parties that were involved. So I have to say, as the pastor, it was um, it was easier and uh, more successful than I would have anticipated, sure. to tell you the truth. Sure, sure. We like honesty around here, so thank you, <laughs> Father Tom. And how about for you, Mary Lou? I think it was um, a very smooth process for us. I had previously worked on a campaign for the parish back in 2004, and I think one of the things, enhancements in technology and communication between then and now, 15 years later, really um, helped us communicate to people in a different and effective way. Um, I think the bringing different people in from all demographics of the parish very early on, as Father Tom said, um, can we do this? What do we need to do? And, and how will we do it? And getting their input, listening and responding to that um, helped us have a smooth process with the campaign. Sure, yeah. sure. And as we, you know, sit here and we think about, as you mentioned, the different demographics and, you know, just the way in which St. Anne's is made up. Can you tell us more about that? You know, we know that you're here in Garden City and Long Island, and you guys have a reputation for being a pretty vibrant parish with lots of fun ministries within your community. So can you tell us more about that as well? Yes, I, I would say this is a um, younger community than parishes I've been in. The fact that we have... Um, 1,500 children involved in our school and faith formation brings a lot of families uh, into relationship with the parish. And very unique to St. Anne's is a tremendous sense of community, community that is in the neighborhoods, a community that seeks to uh, help out people in need, a community that likes to be social, and a community in which people do work hard and they do have some economic advantages so that they can share um, with the parish as, as needed. So it, it's a very positive atmosphere and one that did respond then to what we were asking. Sure, sure. And, and, what, and what was the project? Can I ask that? What was the uh, project that you were raising funds for? Just so we kind of everybody, everybody at home who's listening get a sense of, of what you were raising funds for. The project was um, there, there had been a convent on the property mm -hmm. that became um, 
somewhat unusable because of the presence of asbestos and other materials in the buildings, which we, we took down. Mm. Simultaneously to that, there was a fire in the rectory. Mm. So in the analysis of the parish needs, it was determined that we needed more meeting space and more office space, and we had this empty lot of the previous convent. So um, this particular project was for what we now call the St. Francis Ministry Center, which will contain some offices for parish social ministry, which other people sometimes call outreach, and our faith formation program for about a thousand children. And then there will be two large meeting rooms accommodating about 140 people each uh, for those kind of events. Great. And was it a long process of discernment to figure out that you needed this? Was it something kind of built over time? Like, oh my goodness, we're out of meeting room. This place is getting so busy. Or how did that kind of go? Just the way you said it there, it was over time an analysis of the use of space, the uh, multiplication of ministries. Mm Mm-hmm. Probably in my time here of eight years, um, through the needs of people that was recognized by the parish staff here, we have some wonderful uh, people who work on the parish staff, we have probably started five or six new ministries just in eight years, Mm -hmm. and they all need a place to meet. Mm -hmm. Our buildings right now, we have our church, we have the school building, and we have the uh, rectory building. Mm -hmm. Um, We have no large meeting space other than the church that is not in the basement. Right. Um, this building, the rectory that we're in right now, is not handicapped accessible to come to a meeting down in the basement. Mm-hmm. So it just is not keeping up with the vibrancy and the activity of the parish. Yeah. Mary Lee, you must have a unique perspective because you're director of operations. So you see kind of the daily comings and goings and you see how full these meetings room get. Like, so you made that leap, you said, was it 19 years ago from retail into, how was that yes. kind of for you? Just yes. for a moment on a personal note, like transitioning into parish life. And Well, in all honesty, when I was uh, approached that there was, you know, a parish looking for a business manager, I honestly said, what do I know about working in a parish um, (laughs) after being in department stores since I was a senior in high school. So Mm -hmm. uh, I quickly came to learn that in a parish, there is the business aspect and there are budgets and there is human resources and there is facilities. And whether you're in a, you know, a department store or a parish or a school, they need heat. They need, (laughs) you know, uh, to keep the lights on. And um, so it was a very different transition for me. It came at a very good time. I had just recently been married, so the hours were very appealing to me to mm-hmm. work in a parish. Um, and what I've come to love about it over the years is, yes, I'm still responsible for all those business aspects, but how I see that translates into helping people and into being a ministry mm-hmm. more than a business just for myself is very rewarding. Um, and the day-to-day of it, um, I'm the person who uh, is responsible for assigning space. So when we talk about the growth of ministries, um, there's always vying for, well, I need space and I need space. And just came to the point where we couldn't always say yes. Right. So. It's great. She, she's um, exceptional at what she does. I do find it interesting. She said um, she finds the hours attractive because... 
she comes early and goes home late. <laughs> so I'm glad you find the hours attractive. It's a vocation, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. You can't put money on it, right? <laughs> There's always room to make it even better, though. <laughs> She's open, Monsignor. She's open. Well, he doesn't make me come early or stay late. No. I put that on myself. <laughs> yeah. It's beautiful. Well, see, too, and we've mentioned the school. I feel like, you know, sort of a little mini elephant in the room. St. Anne's is vibrant, and you guys have a ton of ministries very connected to your community. But we can't forget about the school. So, can you tell us more about how the school was involved in this campaign that, you know, touched each and every family and demographic as we've been discussing? Well, one, one of the things of the success of the school, because we have still have close to 500 students, is the school is understood as a ministry of the parish. So it doesn't stand as an independent private school. So any outreach to the parish includes the school parents, and any response includes school parents. So it's not a um, it's, it's not a separate entity, and I do believe that's partially the reason why the school, in a time when so many schools are struggling, the school is doing well. Now, to be honest. I was reading somewhere, another parish, um, there was a lot of work to be done in the school, and they're considering doing a fundraiser. Hmm, I could see that happening, <laughs> say, Anne, someday. And there's a lot of connectivity between the school and the parish. I'll just say, for example, in parish social ministry, every grade level has a service coordinator, and it is um, coordinated through parish social ministry. So you have... Um, second graders that write to our homebound parishioners. You have eighth graders who once a month cook meals to send home to those parishioners. Or, um, you know, in the middle grades, they may today, this afternoon, actually, they're going to be stuffing stockings to give to the Marines for Christmas. So there's always that connectivity in what's going on in parish life with the faith formation and school as well. So. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and thinking of your campaign and knowing, especially now how interconnected the school is with the church, you know, with faith formation, with all of these separate entities, you know, how did you guys find locating volunteers for this effort? You know, a $3.5 million campaign. You guys have done exceptionally well. And, you know, from behind the scenes, of course, in working with you guys, I know that we had a lot of hands on deck, but can you tell us more about, you know, the recruitment process and just sharing that and how you guys were able to evangelize even in a way and recruiting volunteers as part of this effort? Yasmin, um, probably the, the increased use of technology didn't require then as many people doing all sorts of tasks. The question of volunteers, I, I would look upon every donor as a volunteer because every donor, not only by their, um, donation of funds, but also by their commitment to the parish and to the faith. The campaign allows for all those volunteers, parishioners, donors to invest in, in, the, in the project, in the parish, in the future of the parish, uh, grateful for what has happened before, but also now establishing something that we didn't have for the future. Volunteers is, is becoming a, um, beginning to have a different meaning in the church because people do have less time. Most parents are um, employed during the daytime. Senior citizens are very happy to, to volunteer in all sorts of ways, um, which they do in all the ministries. So 
we didn't have to focus so hard on a volunteer army for this project. The, the project was shared by many, many in direct and indirect ways. And, and, and your leadership helped to, um, to direct the effort of coordinating those volunteers, but in a broad way of volunteers. I, I don't know if that helps. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think also prior to even getting to the point where we engaged Changing Our World and looked at the fundraising aspect, Father Tom does a wonderful job of communicating with the parishioners about what's going on and being transparent in what is happening in the life of the parish. So before we even, you know, needed the volunteers, whether it was to speak on behalf of the project or stuff, uh, folders and, um, People, we brought people together to discuss the needs and, and what is going to happen and what do we need to build. And if we're going to build a new uh, building, what does it need to accommodate? And there were a lot of people involved on that level. And um, uh, I'll be honest, in preparation for today, I pulled out the feasibility study report. And you looked at the number of people who self-volunteered, self-selected themselves to say, yes, I want to be part of this. Um, and I think that was uh, a tribute to them to being knowledgeable before this all started for the asking, you know, setting the fundraising aspect of it, being supportive of the project. Absolutely. I think, too, um, if you, we're talking about drawing volunteers, drawing people's involvement, drawing potential contributors, um, we used the most basic social sense of community that there is because we used the idea of a meal to bring people together and you know the meal brings people together for discussion for light discussion less intensity and we had probably about a dozen of those meals and um well over probably 200 people sharing in those meals that that i think was helpful Absolutely. And, you know, just to fill in, you know, some of the folks at home, um, when I first began sitting down with Father Tom and Mary Lou and, you know, members of the parish, we found that one of the greatest assets that St. Anne's has is the sense of hospitality coming together, the sense of community. Meals was a perfect avenue for that. And so, as you mentioned, Father Tom, we had about 12 or so of those meals and we had about 200, you know, members of the parish come out to join us in those. Can you guys tell us more about the coordination of those meetings and really the success that came of those? I think they turned out to be very, very uh, informative for us and created a great sense, as Father Tom said, of community. We really looked at um, the people as individuals. So at first, I think we planned on all dinner meetings. And then said, well, you know what? For, it's winter for senior citizens. That may not be best. So we did some evening meetings. We did some luncheons um, to try to meet people where they were at and what would be most accommodating for them. And it was nice to sit around a large table gathered together to be able to listen to people reflect on their life, how they feel about St. Anne's and the parish. Um to be able to answer their questions, know what they were thinking, you know, um, they, I think people's questions really helped us prepare to go out to the parish at large from these small groups. Um, because if they were honest enough to ask some of these direct pointed questions, like, why is it going to cost that much? Then it helped us get better prepared. Um, and I think that 
I feel from changing our world, your flexibility and able to tailor this program to what we felt would best suit the parish instead of saying, nope, you know, we've been doing this a long time. This is the way you do it. There was a great camaraderie and back and forth dialogue. And I think in the end, we came up with a model that worked best and was successful for us. Absolutely. As I love to say, teamwork makes the dream work, as cheesy as it sounds, but I think this campaign is a really great example of that, coming together to use changing our world expertise, my own expertise, and your own, because at the end of the day, you guys know your parish far better than I would ever have the pleasure of knowing. So, Well, just a comment from the outside, too. So, um, for those that don't, don't know, Garden City here is positioned on Long Island. I would imagine a lot of your parishioners work in the city. In New York. So, mm-hmm. yes. the fact that you have created this sense of community, I mean, people are coming from all over the place, I would imagine, just to make it here, you know, on time for an evening event or something. So, that just says something about what the spirit of the community, right? And the fact that they really have bought into, you know, the life in the community here. Yes, they do. They do. And they're here, um, some are here a long, long time. You know, this is a place where people who grew up here uh, return raising their own children. Um, so there's a lot of uh, identity with the parish and with um, not, not only Garden City, because St. Anne's is just at the edge of Garden City. So um, Stewart Manor, Franklin Square, New Hyde Park, and uh, Garden City all share in the population of the parish, which um, is interesting because we don't have that one town, but um, we do have a, a tremendous sense of... Uh, of community among the people that, that do come. And that's a little unusual for a parish, not to be identified with a particular town geography. Sure. And especially with people coming from so many different places and as far away as New York City, even though it's very accessible, I would imagine, depending on the day or how the trains are running, you know, getting people here on time mm-hmm. can be a challenge. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It is. Mm-hmm. Yes. And with both parents working in a, in a school community. Sure. Sure. What's uh, the enrollment at your school right now? 485. Wow. Nice, healthy school. Yeah. That's great. And how long has the school been around? How many years? Or since what year do you know? I think 70 years. 70 years. I think so. Tremendous history. I was thinking about that recently. And were the parents as much involved as the parishioners in the campaign? Uh, did they take ownership of it? Did you see that? Uh, yes, yeah, some did. One of the debates at St. Anne's is the need for a gym. Mm. So school parents, of course, think we should be building Madison Square Garden. Uh, (laughs) Well, of course. (laughs) But part of this process is also we are putting in a new gym floor in the gym that we do have. The problem with our gym is the ceiling. Once you get to be a a teenager, the ceiling is too low. Mm. But for younger kids, the the gym is fine. And we're we're getting a new gym floor to, to help upscale the... The gym. Mm -hmm. It's great. And the school parents are very supportive of that. That's a nice selling point, too. There you go. For the school. Yes. yes. (laughs) Those little things. Parents notice. As were the faith formation families. So Mm -hmm. those who send their children here for religious instruction, um, we had a very good participation rate from those families as well. Which is nice. Well, I found, you know, when you make, even if it's a small uh, renovation or something in the school, parents see that you're investing in the school. They have confidence the school's mm-hmm. going to be around. They're yeah. continuing, to, continuing to improve the facility or the product. Uh, it's, it's vibrant. Right? Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And with the activity here, you know, the school building is used 
by many ministries outside of the school day. Sure. So the building is active from when the principal arrives at the crack of dawn, usually yep. till nine or 10 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, it's the school building, but it is used by many. <laughs> yeah. I would say too, and we were discussing the school and activity and you guys are busy folks. So can you tell us more about how it was, you know, to manage your regular ordinary priestly and administrative duties, you know, for the parish, for the school, for the community, such a large fundraising effort, such as the Being Catholic at St. Anne's campaign. Yes, me and you made it easy. Oh, thank you, Father Tom. <laughs> um, it, it, it was not the burden that, again, I thought it might be. Um, and, and Mary Lou internally addressed all the, the needs here. So um, it was, it was a, a task, but it was a defined task, like, like the, those dinner meetings. They were not open-ended till who knows what time. They would start at 6, they'd be done before 8. So it, it, it didn't become burdensome. And, of course, the return of pledges, we probably had $3.5 million in pledges in about six months. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And now we're really over four. Um, so that, that gives you energy. Sure, absolutely, building sure. that momentum. I would also say, you know, to parishes considering, can I do this on my own? I would say no, because, you know, yes, Yasmin, we um, often refer to your colored-coded action items. You know, we'd have weekly check-in meetings with Yasmin, most Love times on, on premises, if not remotely. And then within 24 hours, we received, you know, the recap of the meeting and each of us had our own color indicating what we were to accomplish before the next meeting. And we make light of it, but however, I think that really helped. I know for myself, I had a task and I had a deadline. So if it came to prioritizing something that I needed to do for this over something else within my job, it helped me keep focus and a plan. And I think without that, parish life can take on different turns on a daily basis based on somebody walking in the door, the phone ringing, and um, I think having that guidance and that support and that direction from changing our world helped made this an easier process and helps me to manage my time um, effectively. So. Certainly, and that's <laughs> music to my ears, I must say. Very nice. And I'm so glad to hear it. Um, I definitely employ that model in other such organizations, so I'm happy to know that it was a nice time to be had. <laughs> and. And as we get in, as we went into Pledge Redemption, um, using Changing Our World for that support to help in sending out reminders um, and doing that aspect of it, again, is just very helpful. And I'm confident. I know that they're going out in a timely basis and, um, you know, internally not waiting till the next day or the next week, which is helping our Pledge Redemption stay on track. Sure. And I would say, you know, for St. Anne's again, $3.5 million. And as Father Tom mentioned, you guys are just over $4 million, um, you know, active phase of the campaign, that six month period when we were heavily going out and soliciting and trying to gain investments and supporting the campaign. You know, we, we did a lot of work, but it seems like you guys have continued the good fight. <laughs> so can you tell us more about what happened after, you know, we had officially ended our campaign engagement and you guys had begun your pledge redemption process with changing our world. Well, just 
just two days ago, uh, a parishioner emailed asking, is it too late to make a pledge? Now, obviously, the answer is always no. <laughs> Never. <laughs> so that's very, very easy. Um, so people, it, it's on people's radar because we're talking about the frustration of finding the, the right contractor. Sure. So people are anticipating, and as long as they're anticipating, the, the need you know, for continued fundraising is out there. And people I'm told, people tell me that um, when they see a bulldozer on the property and they see building going up, there will even be more financial support. Um, so that's been the pattern. And it's, uh, again, it's, it's been an experience of people's generosity. Rel relative to the question that Mary Lou brought up about um, not doing it alone, I, I think... It's a critical time in the church um, for clergy to realize um, we, we can't do this stuff. And more and more, whether it's by uh, parishioners taking responsibility or whether it's entering into uh, business agreements with a place like Changing Our World, um, that is only... Uh, for the better and for the health of the community and the health of the, the clergy, um, we, we have to learn to share the responsibility, uh, the decision-making. We, we, can't, we can't take control of, of things and expect it to go well on our own. We just can't. Well, Father, I mean, obviously you did so much of that leading up to this campaign where it sounds like, you know, you, you asked people's opinion, you shared, you shared a communications plan, you, you gave them the opportunity to give you feedback. And so they probably felt like partners in this mission, right? Because mm -hmm. they knew about it from the very, the first conceptual phase all the way up into the point where you are sitting down with them, asking them for a significant gift. Um, I'm curious, um, about the study. Did you, um, was that eye opening for you? Were there any surprises that came out of the feasibility study? The feasibility study confirmed that we could do this. The only thing that surprised me in the feasibility study was that some parishioners took the opportunity to comment on the length of the homily <laughs> from the pastor. Now, so it was very feasible. <laughs> so it was helpful in other ways. It was helpful in other ways. Right, right. Yeah. right. Yeah, people, so now you're longer? People, no, I'm shorter. <laughs> with, every, with every less minute, there's another $100,000. <laughs> um, yeah, people took the feasibility study not only to comment on the... The, the fundraising and the building and the need of the building or the need for the gym, but they took the opportunity to comment on a lot of different dimensions of parish activity. So it was, yes, it was helpful. Mm, great. I guess with that, you know, you guys have been an absolute pleasure. I would love to know though, as you know, you think about other parishes, you know, other brother priests that may be considering this, whether a feasibility study or a campaign of really any size, but do you guys have any advice to tell them beyond what you've already, you know, mentioned in our conversation? Don't be afraid, but do not do it alone and realize people are generous. Changing our world and the parishioners, um, we're incredibly confident from the beginning that we would reach our goal. I, I was struck by that. I guess the feasibility study was part of that. 
The parish history was part of that. I, I was not so certain, but Changing Our World and the people of the parish were very, very confident of, of getting to the goal. I found that interesting. I'm just curious, do you, anybody remember what the largest gift was that you received for the campaign? Yes. How could I forget? <laughs> uh, it was very, very it was, uh, we, we had um, one particular gift over $500,000. That's tremendous. That's great. Yeah, that'll that'll get you there. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 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 We probably had about a dozen gifts of six figures. That's great. Tremendous. Came coming out probably from the, some of those dinners and yeah, and people mm-hmm. who are just very committed to the to the church, the church uh, of Saint Anne's, and also the larger church. Um, there was a person who recently made a very significant contribution who expressed his his very significant disappointment in the church leadership over the scandals. But he felt um, he had come to the point where, uh, but this is my parish, I want to see my parish flourish, so I will again make this very significant donation. Beautiful. Yeah. and, And a very concrete suggestion to anyone who's listening, if you're going to send recognition thank you letters, sign them personally. Mm-hmm. Don't use a prefabricated signature. And lastly, if um, if a pastor in his parish wants to have a uh, capital campaign, um, you need to be financially transparent about the parish finances apart from the campaign. Mary Lou uh, prepares our financial reports, and we print them in the bulletin uh, this particular year. We really did a very detailed presentation of all lines on the budget, both in terms of income and expenses. And that kind of transparency will lead and help build a credibility that people will demand if you, if you have a capital campaign. You have to be credible. Yasmin, you have worked on a number of uh, parish campaigns, so I'll put you on the spot here just for a second. What was it about the St. Anne's campaign that that knocked it out of the park, that got, got him over goal? Wow. Um, tough question, Jim. So many things, but I think it all just comes back to that sense of community. It was something that I immediately felt that very first meeting. I just won't forget it and how welcoming and joyous everyone was and excited to learn more about the campaigns. I mean, I've had priests that run the other way. So the fact that you guys stayed put, um, you know, it was very exciting. But, you know, just the sense of community, I think, and your sense of commitment to your future, you know, our families, our mission, our future, it was just so evident. And I think that definitely rang true throughout every lunch and dinner meeting, every reception, every NPU that you guys hosted. I would say that was the key, job. Wonderful. Well, great way to sum things up. Monsignor, Mary Lou, Yasmin, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Jim. Congratulations on your great success. We'll kind of come back and take pictures of your building once we get it up, right? Wonderful. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Enjoy the day. I want to thank Father Tom, Mary Lou, and Yasmin for being on our show this week. We're so happy for your success, and we're so grateful that you chose Changing Our World to partner with on this campaign. 
Well, that's our show this week. Many thanks to the Changing Our World podcast team and the Pottery Studios for their support of our show. Hey, if you're looking for a Christmas present for me this year, look no further. Please leave Advancing Our Church a rating on iTunes. You can do it right in the app or click on the iTunes link on our website. You know, that small show of support goes a long way in spreading the word about our podcast. I appreciate also all the likes and retweets that happen throughout the week. We appreciate your support of our show throughout the year. If you'd like more information about our show, please visit us at Advancing Our Church Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Advancing Our Church is a production of Changing Our World, a fundraising and social impact consulting firm that has been advising both nonprofits and corporations for the past 20 years. For more information, please visit us at changingourworld.com. Well, that's it for me, everybody. Have a terrific week. Thank you, and God bless. <music>